again, we began a journey looking at forgiveness, getting to the wisdom of Solomon on forgiveness. So remember, wisdom is teaching us how we can live life. Wisdom is not an issue of insight. Your wisdom is not indicated by the degree or the results you have in school. It has everything to do with your yieldedness unto God and your submission to his will. How you navigate life. And one of the things Solomon drew our attention to was that to be able to live in wisdom, it requires that you look at this, this issue of forgiveness. And there we learned three things. Something about people. The reality is people will hurt and offend and disappoint you. People will sin against you. And we learned something about us, that when people sin against us, our natural instinctive reaction is to say something. I will pay you back. You have to pay for this wrong that you have done. Instinctively, what we want is vengeance. What we want is retribution. What we want is to level the playing field. We want to balance the equation. But then we learn something about God. The hard truth. God says, My mercy I can give unto you. My goodness I give unto you. In fact, I gave up my son to die for you. But when it comes to vengeance, I share with no man. We learn that God says, he is the one who is going to avenge. So our responsibility is to wait. Vengeance is God's prerogative. He doesn't share with us. So the, the motivation for forgiveness is look forward. God is concerned about justice. Sin has to be punished. But God says the punisher is not you. He will avenge. Today we want to make a move. We want to listen to the true and better Solomon. Colossians tells us that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Matthew 12, he says that, listen, the queen of Sheba, she traveled all the way to come and listen to the wisdom of Solomon. I am the greater than Solomon. So we've listened to the wisdom of Solomon on forgiveness. Now we want to listen to the greater than Solomon on forgiveness. And there are a couple of places where he speaks about forgiveness. Luke 6, Luke 7, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. But today we want to look at Matthew 18. A parable he gave. In the context, in, from verses 15 to 20, Jesus t speaks about how we have to deal with sin in the church. So the issue of forgiveness is in chapter 8. We see a lot of that there. In our parable, it's made up of three scenes. The servant and the king, scene 1. The servant and his fellow servant, scene 2. And the servant and the king again, scene 3. And then Jesus draws a conclusion, verse 35. We need to do some maths here. Um, our exchange rate, one dollar I checked is about eight CDs. <laughs> okay. 
So here in the, the NIV tries to translate it, but in the Greek, what we have is a talent and then denarii. One talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. Imagine that. One talent will give you 6,000 denarii. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began, to, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So how many talents is that? Denarii. 60 million denarii. Was brought to him. Once we know this, we are not surprised with verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debts. In fact, if they had added his extended family <laughs> and their friends, 60 million denarii. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. What he says here is so interesting. King Herod, we are told that his whole year's wages was 9,000 denarii. That was how much King Herod earned a year. So if he had to pay um, 9,000 talents, sorry. So it was around 5.4 denarii, million denarii. So if King Herod owed this man and he had to pay, it would take King Herod all his money, 11 years to pay. But how, much do, how long do you think it would take this slave to pay? A denarii was one day's wage. For a laborer, when you work all day, now I don't know how much we, uh, we pay the people who do uh, one twenty. Okay, about one twenty. So for them, it was one denarii. How long was it going to take him as a laborer if he gathered all his money he earned every day? He won't pay rent. He won't pay school fees. He won't pay anything. Gathered all his money. How many years will it take him? 164,000 years. <laughs> but he goes down and says that, this, this is what he tells him. Be patient with me. I will pay back everything. Be patient with me. You just give me 164,000 years. Pay back everything. I am, I am honest. Just you, I'm begging you, just 164,000 years. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. In the book of Esther, when Haman told the king that let's destroy all the Jews, all the Jews in the various provinces. Do you know how much he was going to bring to the king? This was 10,000 talents. 
So destroying all the Jews in the known world where the king was, provinces of this king, all the money of the Jews, imagine, 10,000 talents. But here, one person owes it. Just give me 164,000 years and I'll pay. So what is the point of this fair scene? Of this amount? The amount was so enormous that there's no possibility of payment. That is the point being made here. There is, there, there is no possibility of payment. In verse 27, the king, of course, God, graciously forgives what can never be paid. Imagine this man going home and his wife seeing him. What happened? Cancelled. I'm sure when his wife heard this, this man, he, he likes joking. So perhaps he's still fooling around again. Oh, please, stop that. This is a serious issue, please. No. Cancelled. Scene two. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who hold him a hundred denarii. What do you think this man will do? Sixty million has been written off, and somebody owes him hundred. Sixty million has been written off, and he meets somebody who owes him hundred, not hundred thousand. Hundred. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back. What you owe me, he demanded. And in verse 29, we have a similar language this servant also used when the king demanded payment. Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. How long was it going to take him to pay 100 denarii if he stored all his money? Roughly, let's say three months. I'm begging you, please, you let's say, please, Give me four months. All I'm asking for is four months. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debts. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master 
everything that had happened. He grabbed him and began to choke him. He grabbed him and began to take the life out of him. Please, I'm begging you, just give me four months. He grabbed him and began to choke him. We live, I think, in sin too. What we learned about Proverbs, the reality, people will offend you. Our response we grab them and we choke them. Then the master called the servant in. You are a wicked person. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? This parable is beginning to show us it's a, it's a warning. That is how Jesus uses it. But in the warning, we begin to see the resource that God wants us to cash in to be able to be people who can forgive. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Brothers and sisters, unforgiveness is spiritual amnesia. You forget. You forget. One hundred and sixty four thousand years. On the one hand, and four months on the other side. Four months seem longer than one hundred and sixty four thousand years. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? We see the king, how generous he is. But the parable is also making a point. The generosity of the king also has a demand on the recipients. God is gracious and merciful. 
But his mercy and grace that you experience place a demand over your life. The kingdom of God comes with limitless grace in the midst of wickedness and this evil generation. But it also comes with limitless demands. So when we began, Peter is asking, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. I tell you, not seven times, but seven times seven. And the parable is giving us an idea. It's not that you multiply seven times seven when it gets no. It says, listen, it has no boundary. I don't know if this is how you feel about people who have offended you. Some of us, we are choking some people. And here the parable is not denying that the fellow servant owed him. It's not that he said he doesn't have to pay, no. But the issue is that the mercy that I showed you placed a demand on you. And at the end, we, are, we see some graphic scene, an issue of judgment. And the point is that it's supposed to shock us to do what Jesus expects us to do here. He says, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. He has sent somebody to jail. The master says, right, it's your right. That's fine. But also, let's go. I said it, but I want to reverse it. It's your right. I'm not arguing with you. The guy owes you. I, I, want, I can't argue. But please, let's go somewhere. So the parable also teaches us that unforgiveness is costly. God takes unforgiveness seriously. God takes unforgiveness. It means that if you don't you are not somebody who is growing in forgiveness. Your walk with God, your experience of God, there will, there will always be things that will cause you to doubt the love of God. An example. So perhaps you are dating a guy he gave nice words, assurance of marriage, 
going to see their family. So, of course, you know what we, some of we stupid guys would do? Let me sleep with you to have assurance that you are okay. So, we begin having sex. And then he meets another lady and goes to marry that lady. Imagine what this can do to a, a woman. But then you realize that you have sinned, so you pray and ask God to forgive you. Now, there's the dynamics. If you don't come to a place of, of also forgiving him, you will never experience the reality of the assurance of forgiveness God has given to you. In your heart, things of somebody will say something, you see somebody, you see his name, some, and always it will remind you, has God forgiven me? Have I been forgiven? Unforgiveness will cost you your experience of assurance. And verse 35, the application Jesus gives. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Look at where the bar has been lifted. On the one hand, I can say, oh, I've forgiven. Like, I'm chatting with friends. Oh, what about that lady? Oh, I've forgiven her. I can forgive with my mouth. But Jesus says that. Unless you forgive from your heart. Listen. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you. So when we hear this, it's supposed to make us want to ask God, please, Lord, how? I need to be able to forgive. I heard a story, a true story, a pastor who was counseling um, a woman who 20 years prior was a victim of incest. Imagine this. Now she's married. Her father, and rightly so, had gone to jail. But she was not able to forgive. And what was happening is that now this unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment was impacting her marriage. So she and her husband were just growing apart. Her marriage was just falling apart. Her work with God, her faith in God was just going downhill, downhill. So it was through counseling that it came up. And then the pastor said, there's a path we have to take. You have to forgive. Now just, just imagine this. Your own father sleeping with you. These are some of the things that there's, there's, no, there's no way you can tell anybody. There's no way. And when you think about it, the kind of things it will do in your heart, this can actually kill you. But 
scripture says. You have to forgive your father. Where, where, where on earth can you find the resources to be able to do such a thing? The parable tells us 100 versus 60 million. 100 versus 60 million. Everything that anyone will ever do against you is hundred. The parable is telling us that to be able to grow in forgiveness, we need a certain perspective. What you owe God Far, 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 far exceeds what anyone owes you and will ever owe you. As I read this parable and look at what it's saying, I realized that there's a prayer I need to pray seriously. The resource to be able to forgive others is not minimizing the impact of their sin. Oh, after all, I've, I've gotten married. I've moved on. Look at him. That lady um, he married, they don't even have children. I have two. I tell you, that will never be enough. And we know it. That never works. For a moment, you can say to feel good. But from your heart, the heart will not be healed. So this, there's a prayer I think we need to pray for ourselves every day. Because of what this parable is pointing us to. The king is saying that, look at this. This is a comparative thing. Four months Versus 164,000 years. Four months. Versus 164,000 years. So as I read this parable, there's a prayer I realize I have to pray for myself daily. And that is where I want us to end this morning and make that prayer. A prayer Paul prayed for the church. Ephesians chapter 3. From verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, and this is where the prayer is, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. This is a critical issue. If you, in your heart, you don't see how dimensionless the love of God is for you. Paul says, if you don't know what surpasses knowledge, it's so great that it surpasses knowledge, but if you don't know it as a reality in your own heart, listen, you will never see the 164,000 years versus the three months. People will do things to you and in your view, you owe God four months. They owe you 164,000 years. And the reality is this is always inverted in our hearts. You look at yourself, after all, what have I done? I don't even remember the last time I did this, I did that. So in your mind, all that I owe God is just 100. And the boss who was so mean to you, the lady who disappointed you, the parent who didn't care about you. Sometimes in our homes, they owe me 164,000 years. That means that the eyes of understanding haven't been enlightened. So this is a prayer we have to pray for ourselves. The point is, you cannot prevent what others will do to you to a large extent. The guy who is planning on duping you, it will come your way. And this parable is teaching us at least prepare for your future. You want to pray that God will enable us to know how great his love is. To know that the ocean of God's love is so big to accommodate in a pin drop. And this is something we grow in. We grow in. We grow in to see how wide, how long, how deep, how high. If you don't see this, what others will do against you will be so wide, will be so long, will be so deep and so high. You can never get around it. You'll be stuck in unforgiveness. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat every one of you if you don't forgive from your heart. It's not an issue of the degree to which somebody did something against you. That's not what God is asking. God says, remember the love I have shown towards you. 
Shall we pray? Your life depends on this. So you want to pray that God will help you. This parable is assuring us that it's assuring us that there is nothing that will be done against us that the love of God will not be big enough to accommodate. It's an issue of perspective. So shall we please pray? Father, please help me to know your love that surpasses knowledge. Your love for me. This should be a personal reality. If it's not, you are doomed. Father, please, may I know, may I know your love for me, which surpasses knowledge. Shall we please pray?